What is truth? Seldom black and white, usually complex. The fifth column goes on the inside in search of it. Since the West invaded Iraq in 2003 and overthrew Saddam Hussein, one largely unreported story has been the persecution of the Christian community. Thousands have been killed, a quarter of a million have fled the country, and whereas once they made up one-third of Iraq's population, today they make up half of its refugees. Edward Sturton reports. Violence against Christians has been one of the most underreported stories of post-war Iraq. That's partly, of course, because the general level of violence in the country has been so high and Christians represent only a small proportion of its people. It may also be because the history of Middle Eastern Christianity in general is unfamiliar territory for most of us in the West. The subject has become something of a passion for the Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. One of the problems, again, that's often spoken of in the region is that the level of ignorance about Middle Eastern Christianity in the West is very, very high. A good many people think the only Christians in the Middle East are converts or missionaries. What do you make of the fact that the two Western leaders who arguably were driving what's happened in the Middle East more than anybody else, Tony Blair and George Bush, are probably the most vocally Christian leaders that Britain and America have had for a long time? The Christianity both of them were shaped by is on the whole a very Western thing. Um, I don't sense that either of them had very much sense of the indigenous Christian life and history that's there in the region. As I've said, that unfortunately is a widespread problem. It's estimated that some 200,000 Christians have fled the country altogether since 2003. Christians once made up 3% of Iraq's population. They now constitute half of its refugees. Archbishop Louis Sarko at one stage became so worried about the numbers leaving Iraq that he declared it a mortal sin to do so. I met him at a new church built to serve the refugees in Erbil. It's wonderful, airy, modern, open space. And this is mostly refugees who come here. Many refugees in the city of Erbil. Saddam was a dictator. But a dictator in the oriental way, he was a sheikh of a tribe and uh, there was no freedom. But in terms of being a Christian, were people able to worship and live in relative security? Well, you know, because when you are uh, speaking about freedom of worship, it's different of freedom of conscience. Inside the churches, we can pray, yeah, but we cannot speak about our faith outside the church. Just take me back, though, to the aftermath of the invasion and the overthrow of Saddam. How did things begin to get difficult for Christians? When they start to attack churches, to kidnap Christians, to kill them. And then afterwards, the immigration. That was the big challenge, because... Many families left the country because of the lack of security. 60% of Christians left, then the rest of Christians are very weak. Archbishop Sarko is a Chaldean Catholic, the largest of Iraq's Christian denominations. The Chaldean Church is in communion with Rome, but the Archbishop is less than impressed by the support he's had from the Vatican. And he is scathing about the Western missionaries, many of them American evangelicals, who piled into Iraq in the aftermath of the invasion, looking for converts. 
Only in Baghdad, more than 30 new churches came with money, with the books, and giving books on the street and also on, in the stories to people. And I think this is provoking people. A Muslim cannot change his religion. It is not allowed. And they think here they are missionaries to gain Muslim to Christianity. They didn't ask us because we have to be wise. And also they didn't respect our Christianity. We are here from the end of first century. We are Christians here. Unpicking the causes of the attacks against Christians since the invasion is a complex business. The collapse of law and order was felt by everyone and violence in Iraq has touched all its communities. And, of course, some of the worst atrocities have been inspired by hatred within Islam itself. Between members of the Sunni minority, who resent the loss of the power they enjoyed under Saddam, and the Shia majority, who now dominate the government. But there's a wider context too. An increase in attacks on Christians in many other Islamic societies, such as Egypt, Algeria and Pakistan. Dr Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury. The point was made before the invasion of Iraq that some of the major casualties would be Christians, not only in Iraq, but in the entire region, and I think events have vindicated that. Do you think it's partly because people now see Christians as being associated with the forces of the West that have come into their country? I think because of um, sort of ill-judged rhetoric about opposing the Islamic world, not just particular regimes, but the Islamic world or Islamic power, there's been a sense that this is a clash of civilizations or a clash of religions. And centuries of um, quite fruitful coexistence have, have just been wiped out. This is the poorer area of the Christian district known as Zankawa, where many of the refugees from Mosul and Baghdad have come. The houses are a decent size and there are lots of new ones going up to cope with demand, but it's pretty scruffy and there's lots of litter about on the streets. On almost every street there's a small shop or stall, many of them run by refugees as a way of making a living in their new lives. What happened in Baghdad that made you want to leave there? He's saying that uh, he moved from Baghdad because of the threats from the Christians and he saw lots of killing and he was working for an American company so he feared for his life so he moved to Ankara. Can I ask his wife, were you frightened in Baghdad? She's saying she was very afraid from the situation and killing in Baghdad. Her daughter saw a dead body while coming back from school and their sons were threatened for going to church, uh, Mari Jacob, St. Jacob. Uh, she said after bombing that church, uh, they felt that there is no way they could stay in Baghdad. His nephew was killed. Your nephew was killed? Uh, how was he killed? What happened? Saying his nephew was a member of the church's brotherhood, he said Virgin Mary's month, he came out of the church at five in the evening, so terrorists were waiting for them and shot them. Iraq's tragedy since 2003 has been the way it's fractured along religious and ethnic lines. Identities which were once a source of pride have become a source of conflict. The future of the country's religious minorities will be a litmus test of whether it can shake off that communal savagery and flourish as a pluralist democracy. In the meantime, groups like Andrew White's parishioners in Baghdad walk a dangerous line. 
trying to preserve their Christian heritage while they struggle to survive both targeted persecution and general mayhem. At the end of October, the 27th of October, on Sunday morning, there was a major car bomb attack here. But 164 people were killed here, and um, David had to pick up all the arms and legs and hands and bits of body. Very distressing. And the problem was that uh, we had a clinic here as well. And the clinic was completely blown out. For four weeks, it was closed. Christianity in Iraq today is more threatened than it's ever been in its long history. But that history is still powerfully present. 21st century Baghdad is in many ways a medieval place. People sometimes wear armour and live in mini castles like Andrew White's fortified parish. And when a congregation like this prays, it's calling on the spirit of 2,000 years of obstinate survival. To hear more of our podcasts and to have your say, visit our website www.thefifthcolumn.co.uk.